0: I don't know that we know we're there yet. And actually, it's really going to be up to President Zelensky as commander-in-chief to determine if and when he's ready to sit down and negotiate. Clearly, uh, we don't appear to be at that point right now. Yeah, that is. Defense spokesperson John Kirby talking uh, on behalf of the administration, saying, yeah, they don't know about a diplomatic solution with Russia just yet. But maybe, maybe... Putin will rethink things, maybe. Uh, we've been hearing, you know, the last account we ended up hearing was regarding women potentially being drafted by Putin into the military to uh, to try to fight. It hasn't made headlines in a while. Uh, it has certainly not been top of mind for most of us. But there have been incredible stories and incredible progress that's been made over the, uh, the recent weeks, and we're now starting to hear some of the remarkable stories of the Ukrainians spending a couple hundred days under Russian occupation that are being freed as they regain territory. Our own Rory O'Neill is covering this. Rory, tell us about
1: it. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Uh, yeah, a real remarkable turn, at least in parts of Ukraine over the past uh, week or two. President Zelensky said last night they've managed to win back about 2,200 square miles of territory. Uh, military analysts say Ukraine's military did a head fake. They were signaling that they'd want to recapture territory in the south toward the Crimean Peninsula, but instead uh, So they did a little bit there, but then their big push was in the northeastern part of the country, around Kharkiv, and that's where we've seen more of the progress being made. question now is, uh, how does Russia respond to this counteroffensive, and can Ukraine hold on to this territory they've recaptured?
0: Rory, you bring up uh, something that's really instructive when you're talking about the misdirection. I mean, militarily, this is certainly nothing new. However... What is more challenging this day and age to actually pull off missions like that and and maneuvers like that without information being leaked, without there being, you know, some kind of an indication that's that's what's happening. So I'd imagine that, uh, you know, from uh, Zelensky himself out to the the front lines, what this shows is that uh, they've got a good line of communication. Perhaps Russia's intel is uh, not terribly effective at this point.
1: Well, right, and it shows off the hardware that the U.S. and our NATO partners have uh, shared with Ukraine, uh, essentially giving them the forces to pull this head fake. Uh, you know, they still had to do some type of aggression in the South in order to, you know, make this look convincing and have the resources to really take back that land in the northeastern part of the country.
0: Rory, supply line is always important, but, you know, from the very early going, there were obvious strains on russia's supply lines in in many instances that you know kind of colored some of the decisions they were making what's the status of that are are they uh, at a point now where they are struggling to get the necessary supplies munitions what have you uh to uh to continue to extend to the extent that they were intending
1: Yeah. You know, we've sort of been in this stalemate for the past couple months. July and August, things didn't change too much. So this has been a significant change. I think the supply chain issues now are on the shoulders of the Ukrainians. Uh, now they have to go and fortify this recaptured land so that Russia can't easily go and take it right back. Uh, yeah, Russia is still having these supply issues. By some estimates now, between casualties, uh, soldiers who were killed, and the desertion numbers, by some estimates, the uh, Russian forces have lost about 80,000 troops when you wow. combine all those figures together. Uh, and they don't have the personnel to go back in in large scale uh, without having some sort of a draft or larger nationwide mobilization. And uh, you know, this is why people are asking, you know, how is Putin going to play this next? Because we don't want him resorting to more powerful weapons, if you know what I mean, uh, in, in order to win this thing.
0: Well, and and Rory, uh the last I saw and it's been a little bit, so I'm not sure, you know, exactly where we stand right now, but uh you know, I'd come across uh, approximately 75% of everything Russia had was in Ukraine at this point. So it, not, as not a whole lot that they could draw down on even if they wanted to go all in and basically leave uh you know the the homeland bare from from any defense capability.
1: Right. There's not a lot on the shelf. And it's also, by the way, exposing the uh, the older population in Russia. You know, so many young people have fled that country. If you look at the demographics of that mm-hmm. country, it's a huge elderly population and not very many younger people uh, to support that economy. Uh, younger people have been fleeing Russia for years uh, because of the economic or the lack of economic opportunities. Many of them had gone to Ukraine. Uh, that's why Ukraine is such a young country on the flip side, with such a high-tech industry. Uh, a lot of it is Russian people who uh, who left that country uh, in order to go find you know, success and a brighter future in Ukraine.
0: Wow. wow man, I can't imagine, you know, as soon as you have access to that sweet Russian automotive engineering as, you know, younger person, why <laughs> you wouldn't want to just stick with that? Uh,
1: well, their aerospace industry is nothing to sneeze at, don't forget. And, uh, you know, the, the the rocket engines were being built uh, in Ukraine back in the day. And, yeah, no, there's a significant aerospace industry out of Russia, at least it's one of several big tech industries. But right now they're cut off from the world and uh, getting any microchips or, or supplies in that industry imported into the country. Yeah,
0: they t- tend to do better with that than they do automobiles. <laughs> R- Rory O'Neill. with
1: rockets. Good with planes,
0: Brian. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so much with cars. Uh, Rory, great report. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, that's uh, our own Rory O'Neill, and again, uh, just really good stories. The past three weeks have been full of lots of progress, and uh, hopefully, that is something that is able to be sustained. All right, um, how did story I put together? I'm back of. The good news yesterday from U.S. News, and world report about colleges. Just want to share with you real quick the state of higher education in Florida. And among the many um, great stories in our state these days, you know, the overall state of higher education, U.S. News World Report for years now has shown Florida on the move in in terms of uh, the way we're coming across for, for college education. You know, a lot of it. You, you, I remember this. I remember making the case for years, and then Governor Scott did it, and lo and behold, it, it worked. So, you remember when we used to have those ridiculous tuition, tuition increases, year after year after year? Like, why in the world are we seeing our colleges increase double-digit percentages? The rate of tuition? There's nothing that should ever take tuition down that path, and even with Florida prepaid, it was. Stretching families. And I po- pointed out, like, you know, the, this is very easy. Threaten the money they get from us. Threaten the money they get from tax dollars. And I guarantee you, you see the tuition increases come down. Well, Governor Scott ended up pushing that policy, made it happen. And immediately we saw the rate of tuition flatten out in our state. And ever since then, we've been the most affordable state. In the country for a college education and this goes back like seven years now but we also are seeing academic standards continue to improve as well along with the depth and the breadth of opportunities for degree fields within the state and this really ended up manifesting itself in the US News and World Report uh, finding this year Florida the top state overall for college education and uh the, simply put there there is no better place and we know that UF came out better than any other school but there are so many good stories within it and if you drill down if you try to find a specific field of study you could find within our state a college that is going to offer you know that particular program as well it, it's not like it's just UF and you know FSU and then Miami and everybody else. Not like that at all. Uh, so lots of of good news as we continue to make progress. All right. So we are going to do my top three takeaways. Title nine: Gender ID policy and Florida's altered political state of reality. Up next here on the Brian Mudd Show, News Radio six ten WIOD South Florida.